Now, I want you to open your Bibles back to the book of Matthew. We've been there for a couple of weeks, and uh, so we're, gonna, we're going to look at Matthew. I'm looking forward to this, um, looking forward to this Sunday's message. We're going to be back in Matthew again this Sunday and sort of maybe finish things up in our Christmas. We've been sort of hanging with a Christmas theme. I didn't plan that. It was just one of the things the Lord led me into. We, we talked about Herod, and, and then, and, or the innkeeper, and then Herod. And uh, so uh, this Sunday, we'll, we're going to look at another character in the Christmas story that I think will be a help and in, in interesting to us. So let's look, if you will, in um, uh, verse number 20. Matthew chapter number 1 is where we want to be. Matthew 1 and verse 20. So it's talking about Joseph here, and it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. What, a, what, an amazing, what an amazing thing. Sweetest name on mortal tongue. Sweetest, sweetest name is the name of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph, being raised from sleep, that is, the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till he had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, can I, can I just take a second, and, and can I just chase a rabbit for a minute? I, there's an argument that goes around that Jesus was the name, that Jesus was the name that the, the earthly parents chose, and that actually... God's chosen name for his son was Emmanuel. Well, can I just tell you, that's the most ludicrous, ridiculous. You know, I, people come up with the dumbest arguments simply for the sake of being argumentative. He's called Emmanuel. Why? That's being interpreted as God with us. He's called Jesus because he shall save the people from their sins. Both names were given by who? The angel. And so, don't, don't let somebody trap you in one of these endless genealogies and foolish arguments where people are batting around some, some ignorant thing that they've, you know, it really means a lot to them and doesn't mean anything to the Lord. So, I'm glad that He is God with us, and I'm glad that His name is Jesus, aren't you? Let's pray. Father, would you help us tonight? Open your Word. Give us the things we have need of tonight. I pray from what you've given me tonight, that we might gain from it, and that it might be somehow beneficial to us. It's a little different, Father, from things I've done in the past, but I, I think that this is where you want us to go tonight, and so I pray that you'll bless and help and work in our midst. Do for us, especially, Lord, as we are, we're right near Christmas, and, and what that day means to us, what, what we recognize it as, and and we want to focus on Christ and not all the things that the world brings before us. So help us to do that more tonight. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know if you've ever gotten a gift 
Somebody tell me, what's your favorite gift you've ever gotten? What is your favorite gift that you ever received for Christmas? Anybody got something that just comes to mind? Okay, like, yes. Huey? Oh, okay, Georgia's got a stuffed animal called Huey, for those of you online that can't hear. Huey looked like he chased parked cars. Uh, She laid on him for about five years of her life, and Huey's beak literally is massacred, okay? But Huey's, okay, that's great, Huey. Anybody else? Just just something that's just a favorite gift that you remember? Man, I am so excited about this crowd tonight. Thank you for being here. And thank you for your participation. This, uh, I mean, you're like, you're killing your parents. You're all basically saying, my parents got me garbage. And uh, that's your testimony that you're, that you're giving tonight. My favorite Christmas gift I ever got was Tara. She was born on the 23rd of December. We brought her home on the 25th. And she's a perfect example of my message tonight, and that is simply this. I had no idea in that small package what all came with her. Okay. Tara had the potential, and she's a wonderful lady. She'll be here Sunday, and uh, just she loves the Lord and has a heart for God. Her husband is youth pastor uh, in, in uh, Eastern Baptist Church in Orlando. She's got a real heart for God. She teaches in children's church. She's, she, she is the uh, deaf interpreter there for uh, Eastern Baptist. She's just a great girl. But when she was young, we recognized potential in her uh, to run uh, underground mafia organizations. And it was just, she, she was a tyrant. Uh, at an early age, she was a tyrant. And we used to call her Muggsy uh, because we could see her, you know, with a stogie sticking out her mouth and, and walking around with a submachine gun directing the children. Uh, Dixie, her older sister, uh, we had to convince her, you don't have to obey Tara, okay? You do not have to obey Tara. Because Tara just went around ordering everybody. And sometimes the other kids would look at Tara and say, I can't believe she just said that to Dad. And uh, then, of course, the guillotine. And, uh, it, but anyhow, that's Tara. Well, I don't know if you can think of something like that, that you, you, you got a package. Somebody gave you a package, and you looked at the package, and you thought, I had no idea. I had no idea what was in there. When I, when I saw it, I could not possibly have imagined everything that came with that. Can I tell you salvations like that? When I got saved at the age of 12, I knew one thing. I knew that I wanted what what Bobby Richardson was talking about, I wanted, I wanted to, ha- I knew about Christ, and, and, and had seen my mother sing about the Lord, and had been in church all my life, wasn't gospel preaching churches really, but, but when, when he spoke, the Spirit of God so arrested my heart that I knew that I wanted a relationship with Jesus Christ that he had that I did not have. I wasn't scared of hell because that wasn't what the message was really about. I wasn't frightened over my eternal destiny. I was moved by the love that Jesus Christ had for me, so much so that he would die on the cross for my sins. And I heard this famous man talk about everything for just like 15 minutes that he had ever accomplished and basically say, it means nothing to me in comparison with the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. I didn't have that. I was 12 years old. I did not have that. And I wanted that. 
And I remember the convicting power of the Spirit of God where I sat in my seat literally and trembled over the decision that I was making, but I got born again that night. I didn't know then that I had a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I didn't know then that, that, he would, that he would get me through things that were unthinkable, that he would help me, and, and um, I, 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 did, I had no idea. I didn't know what glorification was, justification, sanctification. Uh, I didn't know any of those things. I had no idea of any of the major doctrines of the Bible. I just knew that here was a Savior that loved me so much he would give his life for me. So I opened my heart to him. And now all these years later, I can tell you, after, after opening that package, I had no idea the things that were going to come out of that and the blessings and the glory simply from that, that one gift of God which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, I had no idea that I was going to have such a life and such a Savior and, and uh, just simply amazing to me. Now, this is going to be different tonight. Okay? I have never done this before. Sunday I, I mentioned some names of Jesus and somebody came up to me and said, I've never heard that, never heard that in my life before, never knew that. And, and, and so I got thinking about that and... And the Lord sort of shifted my direction for tonight. So he says there, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so here in a, in a, in a manger, here in a cave, a grotto near Bethlehem, is a small baby. And he's cradled in his mother's arms. And... The setting that's there is, is certainly not anything that we ex would expect for the birth of a king. I mean, where's the, where's the, where's the royalty? Where's, where's the palatial surroundings? Where, where is, you know, the, the dignitaries of the land, of the city? Where, where are the people that, that would be there to welcome the birth of a king? None of that is present there. None of it's present. You, there's nothing in that scene that speaks of royalty. Nothing in that scene that's, that is befitting of the birth of any king, much less the king of kings. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. And, and my point that I want to make tonight is that there's more to the name than just the name. I remember years ago, I was young. <laughs> I can't remember how, how old I was. I grew up watching baseball. I went to, I, I've seen Willie Mays play and Hank Aaron and Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan. I've been to Atlanta Stadium almost every summer when I was coming up to visit, visit some kinfolks up there. And I, I've, I've seen some great ball players, Willie Stargell and, and Roberto Clemente and other guys that if you know anything about baseball, these guys are iconic. And I'll never forget as a kid, I'm watching TV, and this guy comes up to bat. He's one of the Alou brothers. There was Philippe Alou, there was Moises Alou. And this guy walks up to the plate, and his name flashes on the screen, and it's Jesus Alou. And I remember, are you kidding me? They named him Jesus? What, what kind of a parent would do something like that? I thought, surely God will smite them 
with a lightning bolt for naming their child Jesus. What kind of people would do such a thing? Then, of course, the announcer says, Jesus Alou. And I'm like, oh, okay, well. So then I figured out that, that there's a, it's a name, you know, in the Old Testament, it, it's Joshua. And so th- there's, there's a name there that isn't maybe as uncommon as we would think it is. It's pronounced differently. But the point I want to make to you tonight is if we could open that package, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, there's more to it than just the name. There is the purpose, the person, and the blessings that come with who he is in our life. And so I want to talk with you about that for a moment, all right? So if you want to take a pen, fine, you can write, write these down. And just bear with me tonight. I'm going to go through them. I'm going to give you scriptures. And we're just going to go through I want you to know this. I want you to know that that baby in that manger, in that insignificant, far out of the way, in a corner somewhere of Caesar Augustus's uh, uh, empire, in some little obscure town, in an obscure cave, a little grotto with two obscure people that walked in and, 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 and were given this place to have this, this child named Jesus, that there's so much more that was born in that manger than we ever possibly could have imagined. That night, had we stood there with the shepherds and seen Mary and Joseph and the baby. First of all, he is Adam, okay? He's Adam. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. (laughs) So there are two Adams. There's the first Adam. What did the first Adam do? I I, I can't do this on every one of these, or we'll be here all night. And that's okay with me. But anyhow, I I, I can't do it. So so what did the first Adam do? He fumbled the world. He didn't fumble the football. He fumbled the world. He He fumbled utopia. He fumbled paradise. He fumbled, he fumbled everything that God had placed in the hands of man. The first Adam blew it. And so now the second Adam, who is Jesus, is our kinsman redeemer. And he comes along, the, the world that was forfeited, the kinsman redeemer comes and says, I'll pay the price to buy it back. And he did. He gave his life. He shed his blood on Calvary's tree so that he could buy back what the first Adam fumbled. Well, he hasn't taken possession of what he bought yet, but he's going to. There's going to be a day and a time he's coming here, and he's going to, he's going to kick Satan off the premises. Amen? And he's going, to, he's going to be kicked into not just hell, then he'll come back, uh, but, but ultimately he, he's going to be booted into the lake of fire by the second Adam. Not only is he, is he our Adam, but he's our advocate. First, uh, First John chapter two verse one. My little children, these things write unto you, write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So who? He, he's our Adam. So he's buying back what the first Adam lost. Wait a minute. He's also our advocate. We go to court. What do we need? We need an advocate. I got to have somebody that'll defend me. I have no defense of myself. Do you know why I have no defense of myself? Because I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I am a sinner, but Jesus Christ 
is my advocate. And so the great accuser that accuses me day and night is the advocate that rises and says, no, 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 no. He's, he's guiltless. Why? Because I took his guilt. I became sin for him that he might become the righteousness of God in me. And so Jesus became my sin, and now he stands having paid the price for my sin. He stands as my advocate and, and, and uh, wipes away all of the handwriting of ordinances that was written against me, those papers, Jesus took them away. So you can't find anything in the file whatsoever against Dean Herring, not because I'm a great guy, but because I serve a great Savior who's my advocate. Not only that, but he's, he is the Almighty. Revelation 1.8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and, and which is to come, the Almighty. So let me just say this. Look, I don't care what you're facing, he's mightier. He, no, no, he's the almighty. I don't care what you're up against, it may be mighty, but it's not almighty. There's only one almighty, he is the almighty. And so whatever you're facing, whatever comes against you, he's the almighty. David walked into the valley, faced a giant. Yeah, but the problem was the giant was facing someone bigger than David. He was facing the almighty. And so our God, listen, our God is, is almighty. Notice this also. He is, as it said there, alpha and omega, the beginning and the ending, which is and which was and which is to come, the almighty. I'm glad he's alpha, but you know what else? I'm glad he's omega. That's the first and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. You know why I'm glad for that? What that means to us is he's there at the start and he's there at the finish. And by the way, right now, where are we? We're on, we're at church Okay, it's, it's December 22nd, and we're here, and we're no place else. But can I tell you where he's at? He's in, he's in last week, and he's in next month. He can see the beginning. He can look down and, and see the day that I was born, August 30th, 1955. It's a true story. Life expectancy before I was born was something like 56 years. It jumped like 11 years after I was born. I'm not claiming any credit for that. I'm just saying I read that on one of those little cards you give out about the year you were born. So you can thank me later. Anyhow, so, so he, look, he sees, he sees the day I was born. And let me tell you something about this. He knows the day I'm going to die. Okay? So, so, so the beautiful thing about the Lord Jesus is that, that he, sees, he sees the start and he sees the finish. And so you know why I'm glad for that? Because I don't see it. So some things catch me by surprise. Sometimes I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't believe that happened. I can't believe they did that. This is crazy. You know what? Curtis Hudson used to say this, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? You know, God never says, are you kidding? I can't believe that. Wow, that shocks me. I can't believe he did that. God knew you were going to do it before you did it. And so the reality of the matter is he's the Alpha and Omega. Not only that, but he's the Amen. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Amen, amen is, is such a great word. <coughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a word of affirmation. And he is, he is the, the amen of all things. I want to tell you, he's not wishy-washy on anything. He not, he not, he's not undecided. How many of you ever go out, now be honest, 
How many of you, when it comes time to go out to eat, you can't, everybody's saying, where, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Would you like to eat? I don't know. Do you want to eat? How many of you do that? Okay, good. Everybody's pointing at, at Jesse back there. Even strangers are pointing at her that don't even know her. Wow, Jesse. Well, the reality of the matter is he's never wishy-washy. He knows exactly. He's the amen. That means this is it. That means that's an affirmation of what is right. He's the amen. He's the apostle of our profession. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. So he is, he is the officiant. Okay? He's the official. Isn't it funny how men claim titles for themselves? Whenever you're, you're, whenever, I mean, they claim, we, we like to really get flamboyant with our titles, you know. Um, not just doctor, you're reverend doctor. And, and I'm just being funny, but, but we, we like to claim things for ourselves. We, like we like to build up uh, our prestige. I, you can't get any higher than him. Truth of the matter is this, nothing we ever know or earn. There's nothing we can teach him. There's plenty of things we can learn. But I want to tell you, he's, he's the apostle. He is the leader of our profession. He is the one that we follow, that, that guides us in our doctrine and, and in the things that we believe. Not only that, but he's the arm of the Lord. Isaiah 51, verse 9. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in the ancient days, as in the generations of old. Art, not, uh, art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? So he's called the arm of the Lord. What does that signify? His strength. It's his strength. It's his right hand. It's the arm of the Lord. It's the arm of the Lord. Nothing, no one can match the arm of the Lord. I forget who I was talking about the other day that had been watching arm wrestling. And they were talking about this guy that just everybody that came up just bam. Just, and and, and he's, he's known basically as the arm, the strength. Every time he locks in with somebody. Can I just tell you this? The, the, the arm of the Lord's not shortened. Can I tell you that the arm of the Lord uh, is able to reach us? It, it's able to sustain us and to hold us. And that, that arm of the Lord is, is Jesus. Who hath believed our report? Isaiah wrote in chapter 53, verse 1. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's like God walks up and says, I'm here. I mean, who? Jesus. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You ever been in a fix and you needed help and all of a sudden you know the, the Lord was there? And things straightened out? know because it's as though God flexed his muscles <laughs> on your behalf you ever had that happen and I'm in trouble I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this and then all of a sudden things begin to change and you're like well man it just seemed like everything was falling apart yeah but what you could not see what you could not see was God flexing his muscles saying this is my child this is my son you leave him alone so he, he is the arm of the Lord He's the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God the Father. So Jesus was there when I got saved at 12. He's the author of it, and he's the finisher of it. That means, listen, and by the way, that means all in between. That means, that means when I got saved as a 12-year-old boy, God looked and said, yep, that's my child. 
He authored my faith. Wait a minute. That means when I was 16 years old, went to a Bible preaching church, really, really, truly Bible preaching church for the first time, and God was in that. That means when I surrendered my life to preach the Word of God uh, and, 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 and just surrendered that when I was 17 years old, God was in that. That means when I stepped out from my family and went off to college to, to prepare for the ministry, God was in that. That means that when, when God moved me uh, from Georgia to Idaho, that God was in that. He's the author and the finisher. And by the way, if you're still here, he's not finished yet. He's still working on you. Amen? He's still working on you. And, and, and so I'm, I'm glad that I'm not a finished product yet. I'm glad that he's still working on me. I'm, I'm, great, I'm grateful I'm grateful for that. The author and finisher of our faith. He's the beginning of the creation of God, Revelation 3.14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea and write, Thee saith the, uh, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And so Jesus was there. All things were made by who? Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is the creator. Jesus is God clothed in human flesh. And so he is the one that separated light and darkness. He's the one that spoke the worlds into existence. By him were all things made, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so don't ever forget that. He's, he is there. He's the beloved son, Matthew twelve eighteen. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. And he said, my, my, Behold my son, my beloved. And so he's, the, he's beloved of the Father. And by the way, can I help you with this? You can't wrap your mind around that. You can hang it up. Well, I understand it perfectly. No, you don't. And the people, the people that fade out are the people that can't explain it. And the reason they can't explain it is because their mind... Their mind is too puny to, to grasp it. There'll come a day and a time when we'll see it far more clearly. That'll be on the other side of the veil. But you can't fully understand nor grasp the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we accept it by faith, okay? And, and believe it by faith because the Bible says it and the Bible is the Word of God. He's the blessed and only potentate, First Timothy 6.15, which in times past he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and, and, and Lord of lords. So here, here's the deal. The potentate, he's the only, he, he, is, he is the only true potentate. He is the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords, the only potentate. That means simply this. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter who they are. He's over them. It doesn't matter how big the kingdom is, the Caesars of the world, and, and their... Their empires have risen to the center of, of, of the world. They control the commerce of the nations. But can I just tell you this? It's, it's him. It's not the popes. They can hand out their blessings and you can kiss their rings and you can bow and do obeisance to them, but it's not them. It's the only, he is the only potentate. Everyone else Everyone else simply derives their power and authority um, from, from men. But he, he needs no man. I, I, I remember seeing uh, the painting in the Louvre in France of how Napoleon, I forget what 
pope it was, uh, if it was Innocent, or can you imagine that being named? But anyhow, I don't know if it was Pope Innocent or who it was, but Napoleon goes up to be crowned. And so Napoleon, as he walks up, the pope is supposed to place the crown upon his head, and Napoleon reaches up and grabs the crown from the pope and places it upon his own head, signifying to the people that no one crowns me. No one crowns me. I crown myself. And then he crowns Josephine as his queen. Well, the reality of the matter is Napoleon found his water loop. He wasn't as potentate as he thought he was. But can I just tell you that God is in control. Our Lord Jesus is the only potentate. He's the branch. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2. He's the branch. It shows from, from, from which... All fruit, all blessings flow to us is through, is through the branch connected with our Heavenly Father. He's the bread of life, John 6, 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not of that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you true bread from heaven. So Jesus is the bread of life. And, 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 and we didn't know, when you see the babe in the manger, he's Jesus. Yes, he's Jesus. But he's bread. Bread is the thing that is used in the Bible as the summation of all sustenance. He is the one that feeds me. You ever, you ever been hungry? You ever hurt? You ever gone through difficulties and hardships and, and, and you needed something filling inside of you? Because basically, because of whatever you've been through, you were running on empty and you got with him and you found him to be the bread of life. He fed you. He sustained you. He strengthened you. He gave you what you had need of to carry on for another day. Nobody else can do that. You know what? You can come to me and say, Pastor, I need to talk with you. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll try to encourage you. But the reality of the matter is at some point you're probably going to, what I give you is going to run out. You know, I had marital counseling today with a very sweet young couple Spent, spent some time with them, talking to them about marriage. And when it was over, I said, well, there it is. That's it. There's my wisdom. And they were kind and smiled at me and said, well, thank you, Pastor. And I'm, I mean, that's it. You know? But I said to them, the, the one that will sustain you is him. If you'll just live for him, your marriage will be all right. If you, if you'll, if, listen, if you will be good Christians, if you'll just both decide, I'm going to be a good Christian, then the bread of life will be enough for you and it will sustain you. He's the captain of our salvation. Hebrews 2.10, for it became him uh, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So I'm glad for this. I'm glad that he is the one that leads me into battle. Listen to me. He's my captain. He's the one I look to for orders. He's the one that sustains me and gives me what I have need of. Not only that, but he's the chief shepherd. 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, why is he, now listen, this is important. Why is he called the chief shepherd? Because there are other shepherds in our life. So he's called the chief shepherd to differentiate between which shepherd he is. Why is he called the true vine? Because he's showing that there are false vines. That's why he's called the true vine. 
So when, when, when a name is given to us, when he's, called, when he's called the good shepherd or the chief shepherd, that means there's some shepherds that are bad. That means that, they're, that, means that there's some shepherds that are subservient to him. He, he's not a shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And so when it, comes, when it comes down to a decision in my life, I should follow the chief shepherd. Amen? Now, I ought to listen to, to other shepherds that are following the chief shepherd, but, but let's say that, that somehow I get up, and, and when I'm talking to you and teaching you, I give you something that's diametrically opposed to the Scripture. Well, who should you follow? This shepherd or that shepherd? No, no. I'm a shepherd. He's the shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. So you never, listen, you never put, you never put the authority of an under-shepherd over the authority of a chief shepherd. You always obey the Lord. You always follow the Lord. That's primary uh, in, in, in basic for us. He's the Christ of God, Luke 9, 20. He said unto them, By whom say ye that I am? And Peter answering said, The Christ of God. What a statement. Boy, you know what? Peter made some of the dumbest statements any man has ever made and some of the best. He made some stupid, I mean, I mean he made some dumb statements. You know, first of all, he says, you know, thou art the Christ of the Son of the living God. Just a few days later, he looks at him and says, nope, not so, Lord, you're not doing that. He rebuked the Lord and said to him, well, thou art the Christ of the living God, but not on my watch. I mean, how stupid can you be? Well, we, we do that oftentimes, don't we? And, and so here's Peter. Peter said, let me tell you who you are. You're the Christ of God. Well, I wish you could go to the Holy Land and stand with me there at Caesarea Philippi and see the rock, which, is, which was the, the, the temple of, of, of all pagan worship there. Well, they, they, they sacrificed goats and everything imaginable up on that rock, on that hill. And Jesus said this as he stood there upon this rock. It was the confession of Christ, but he's also standing there with, with, the, the, with the center focal point of pagan worship there. And he says, upon this rock, upon the error and the false religions of the world, I will build my church. And that's, exactly, that's exactly what he's done. He, he is... He is the Christ of God. He's the consolation of Israel, Luke 2.25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was a just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Boy, isn't that great? <laughs> By the way, he doesn't, he's not just the consolation of Israel. He's the consolation of you and I. He consoles our soul. You ever, you ever been to him? You ever been to him when things were down and out, and you just, you, you just didn't feel like you could make it? But you spend time with the Lord, you make it. I had a youth pastor, Ray Turner, and Brother Ray's in, in uh, uh, pastoring in, or, in, or assistant pastor in the Atlanta area now. It didn't matter what happened in my life. From the time I was just getting right with God, getting going with God, I could go spend time with Ray Turner, and I felt like I just, I just felt better. He's just that kind of a guy. You just feel better. Where have you been? With Ray Turner? Yeah, I've been with Ray Turner. Why? Because Brother Ray just, he exudes the Lord, and rubs off on you. Well, I want to just tell you, Jesus, when, you know what Jesus is? He's the consolation of our hearts and our lives. He consoles us. I've wept bitter tears before. What got me to the place, what got me to the place to where I was consoled? He is my consolation. It's, it's, not, it's not a cliche. 
Well, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Now, those are powerful things, you know. Those are great statements. Um, but, but the reality, you know, I gave you one of mine the other day. Wise men still seek Jesus. That was an incredible, powerful, original statement. But anyhow, uh, those are nice cliches. But, but they don't, a cliche doesn't last long. He does. So he is my consolation. So every day, all day, any day, no matter what I face, I can find consolation in him. I don't care what's hurting you. I don't care, I don't care what's broken your heart. I don't care how you don't understand and how you can't figure out why life has happened like it's happened to you. It doesn't matter. Listen, the reality of the matter is whatever you face, whatever's happened, you can find consolation in him because he is our consolation. When as a sinner I stumble into his presence and he wraps his loving arms around me and embraces me and helps me, you know what it does? It consoles me. And I'm grateful. Man, I'm grateful for that. He's the cornerstone. Psalm 118, verse 22, The stone which the builders refuse is become the headstone of the corner. The cornerstone is that significant part of the foundation uh, in which everything else rests. I have been to Israel, and they took me to a, just a little roundabout-type park, and in the middle of that is a hand-hewn stone that has already been cut and made for the building of, of the temple in Jerusalem. I've put my hands on it. I've stood there and looked at it. I want to just tell you something. I have in my life. Why don't you collapse? Because I've got a cornerstone. Why doesn't your foundation implode? Because I've got a cornerstone. Why doesn't your life fall in around you when you face heartaches and lose loved ones? Why is it that you can keep on keeping on? It's because I have a cornerstone in my life, and the cornerstone is a person called Jesus Christ. And that day in that manger in, in Bethlehem, you looked at that babe, and they said, what's his name? His name is Jesus. Nobody knew that he would be the chief cornerstone of our life, that so many people down through the centuries... How did men die at Smithfield as they were burned to stake for their faith and literally stick their hand out in the fire and, and wash their hands in fire and give glory to God? How did they face such destruction and death? It's because of the fact that they had a chief cornerstone in their life that kept them from collapsing in that type of a thing. And I want to tell you, if there's anything in this world that, that people need to see in the lives of Christian people, they need to see that we have a cornerstone upon which our life is built. The world's watching us. I've stood in the yards of people with my arms around them, weeping with them as their houses burned and everything they owned went up in smoke. But you know what I found out about those people? They had a cornerstone. Their house was destroyed, but their life wasn't. They lost everything they owned, but they did not lose everyone they owned. That when things burned up, it did not mean that, 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 that they were without hope because they had that foundation in their life. Not only that, but he's our counselor. Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I want to tell you, I've needed counsel in my life. My wife's a great counselor for me. 
A lot of times our counsel is, Dean, don't. <laughs> uh, I used to write articles for the, <laughs> for the paper. And, I, you know, I'm a little edgy when I write sometimes. So, so there's, a, there's an issue out there floating around. And she said, Dean, I, I don't think you should write that. I remember writing one, one time. There was a president from Georgia, from Plains. And uh, anyhow, I was writing an article back in those days, and I just talked about the fact that I said, unfortunately, he's dreamed his entire life that he was a major mover in the world, but he never has been. And she said, oh, Dean, don't do that. Most of the time I do it anyhow and get in trouble, but, but she gives me good counsel. I just don't always take it. So, But you know the thing about the counsel of the Lord is he's always right. You ever had God say, don't? Now, I wouldn't say that if I were you. Have you ever said something and thought, oh, my word, why did I say that? Why did I just say that? You ever had something just slip out, you know, and, and, <laughs> and you, you said something? Okay, some of you are staring at me like, no, I've never done that. Okay, so now you're lying, okay? So, no, no, the reality of the matter is the Lord, listen, the Lord gives the best counsel in the world. Let me tell you what God will do. He'll keep you he will keep you from so many things. He'll keep you from making mistakes. If you mess your life up, let me tell you what you have to do. If you're saved, I'm talking to saved people now. If you mess your life up, you have to run roughshod over the counsel of God through the Holy Spirit of God. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, you did. Well, I wasn't sure. No, you were. Yeah, if you're saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you, the Holy Spirit will say, don't, don't, don't. And if you do, it's because you ran over his don't on the way to doing. Holy Spirit of God, listen, the counselor will give you right counsel every time. And if you go against the counsel of the Lord, it's never going to turn out right. You're going to mess up. and So he's, I'm glad he's my counselor because there's times I need to go and say, Heavenly Father, what do I do? Years ago, I'd resigned our church. I was, I was young in the ministry and... I just knew God was, was moving us. And, and so one day Susie came to me, one night Susie came to me, and she said, Dana, I don't know what we're doing. We've got all these bills. She told me all these bills that are due. She said, I don't know how we're going to pay these. She said, how, what are we going to do? I said, are you kidding me? You're asking me that question? I said, Susie, honey, how, how, how has God taken care of us over our entire marriage? What, what, why would you ask that? Do you not think God's going to take care of us? She said, well, yeah, he has. I said, well, go to bed. Don't worry about it. So she went to bed, and I went and got on my knees, literally, in a closet and said, God, what are we going to do? What are we doing about this, you know? Same question she was asking me. I just said, go to bed and sleep, and I'm staying up late at night, <laughs> you know? So I'm glad I got a counselor, because sometimes I need, sometimes people are looking at me, and I need counsel from the Lord to give me guidance and direction, He's our creator. First John, uh, or John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I'm, you know what I'm glad for? Listen, I'm glad, I'm glad that I know God as more than my creator. I'm glad, I'm glad that he's not just my creator. I'm glad that he is, because I know if he made me, if he created man, that he knows everything about man. And in fact, he says he's got the hairs on our head numbered, Okay. And, and so he knows, he knows, listen, he knows my complete, he's my creator, so he knows my wiring system. He knows what makes me tick. 
and he knows what ticks me off. He knows my quirks and my personality traits and where I came from. He knows who my dad was. He knows who my mom was. He knows the mixture that that gives me in my life. That sometimes I'm more like my dad than I am my mom, and sometimes I'm more like my mom than, my, than I am my dad. He knows all of that about me, and, and he created me. So I don't, I don't ever have to cue him in. I don't ever have to say, Lord, uh, this is Dean, and can I tell you a little bit about me? When I met with a couple today and talked with them about them, I said, tell me, tell me how you met. It was a great story, too. It was just the coolest story. How'd you meet? Tell me about your family. So I'm learning a little bit about them. Do you know what? I don't ever have to tell God about that. James Herring was my dad. No, God knows that. He knows everything about me. And so, so because he's my creator, he understands me perfectly. He understands why I think the way I think. And you can, you can sweep this under a rug, but to a certain degree, your past has an impact on where you are today and on your present. There are things you may struggle with. I've sat with grown men before talking with them, and we're talking about problems they have, and they start crying. 55, 60 years old, they're crying. And I'm like, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. You know what they start telling me? My daddy. Now, wait a minute, you're 60. How old? You talking about your daddy? Yeah, my daddy. My daddy never told me I, I was worth anything. In fact, he told me the opposite. He's, he told me I would never amount to a hill of beans. And so I've messed my life up. I'm dysfunctional as a human being because I came from a home in which there was abuse and scars that I still carry today. Grown men weeping because of the fact that there are things in their past that still haunt them today. And they still, listen, <clears throat> they don't have a relationship with God because they didn't have a relationship with their dad. And my father never approved of me, so how can I expect God to? And so they struggle with father images. <clears throat> and they struggle being a father themselves. But God's my creator. So there are times <clears throat> in my life when I struggle with things, and I can find out from God why I'm struggling with them. Because he knows. Every single thing about me. He is my, he is my creator, and I'm so, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that he is. We're, we're, I'm in the seas, and we're almost out of time. How many of you would just vote that I just finish this tonight all the way through? Okay, well, we won't do it then. Look, if you want a copy of this, let, 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 just, just, would you just listen? Just listen. He is our day, day spring, our deliverer. He is the desire of nations, the door, the elect of God, the everlasting Father, the faithful witness, the first and the last, the first begotten, the forerunner. He's the glory of the Lord. He is God. He is God blessed. He is good shepherd. He is governor. He's great high priest. He's the head of the church, the heir of all things, the holy child, the holy one, the holy one of God, the holy one of Israel, the horn of salvation, the I am Moses said, who do I tell him sent me? Tell him I am sent you. Then he's in the garden, and the priests come up, and, and he says, whom seek ye? And they said, 
uh, Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, I am. What does that mean? God. You want him? I am. And they fell over as though they were dead. You know why? Because the power of the I am smote them down. He's the image of God. He's Emmanuel. He's Jehovah. He's Jesus. He's Jesus of Nazareth. He's the judge of Israel, the just one, the king, the king of ages, the king of the Jews, the king of kings, the king of saints. He's the lawgiver, the lamb, the lamb of God, the leader and commander, the life, the light of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord of all, the Lord of glory, the Lord of lords, the Lord our righteousness, the man of sorrows, the mediator. He's the messenger of the covenant, the Messiah, the mighty God, the mighty one, the morning star. He's the Nazarene the only begotten Son, our Passover, our Prince of Life, our Prince of Kings, our Prince of Peace, our Prophet, our Redeemer, the Resurrection and the Life, the Rock, the Root of David, the Rose of Sharon, the Savior, the Seed of Woman, the Shepherd and Bishop of our souls. He's Shiloh. He is Son of the Blessed. He is Son of David, Son of God, Son of the Highest, Son of Righteousness, True Light, True Vine, Truth, Witness, Word, and Word of God. Now, aren't you thankful that I stopped? Okay, all right. Very unchristmas spirit here tonight. No, it's all. And by the way, behind every single one of those is Scripture. Not something we made up. So when you look at the package in Bethlehem's manger, you there's not, our minds can't conceive of who that was and who he would be. To us, he's all those things and more. So when you say Jesus, behind the name, there's so many more things that have been unwrapped in our life down through the years. Thank him for it. Now, if you want this, I'll give you a list of this. I'll... I'll I'll email it to you, or if you want them, I'll bring them to you. If you're watching online, I'll send them to you, however I can help. Because it's fascinating. You ought, to, you ought to go through every one and read every one. You ought to read every scripture that goes with every one. Because it, it just, it fleshes out, if I could say it that way. It fleshes out a small scene in a small city in a small place. The greatest gift that God ever gave to man, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, I thank you for the times he's counseled me. And Lord God, I thank you for his mighty arm. I thank you for... The fact that he's there in the beginning and there at the end, I thank you. Love you. Lord God, help us to realize that Christmas is so much more than a tree and some tinsel and a few gifts. The, the whole reason behind the gifts is just an example of the fact that it's, it is a time when we recognize the gift. So help us to be givers and always willing to share the story of the greatest gift ever given to man, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Bless tonight, Lord. Bless our, our thoughts. Bless us as we get ready for Christmas. Bless on Sunday. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen.